We all have dreams, but dreams by their very nature can be difficult to achieve. That's where Access Credit Union comes in. Whether it's going to college, owning a car or building your dream home, your local credit union can help you to fulfill your dreams. Access Credit Union. Funding dreams for over 50 years. Close your eyes and pull like down. <laughs> and a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam McGuire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport Editor Kieran McCarthy. Before we kick things off, I'd just like to give a gentle reminder to our listeners and viewers to please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union pride themselves on delivering for their members. Speak to them today about funding your dream. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years. On this week's podcast, we're chatting to Ireland and Munster rugby legend Alan Quinlan about the two West Cork men, Finney Mitchelly and Gavin Coombs, in in Andy Farrell's latest Ireland squad. Ireland take on Japan on Saturday and the USA a week later. So we'll ask Alan if he thinks Coombs and Witcherly will have a part to play. We'll also hear from Cork City assistant manager Richie Holland. The band of man caught up with Joe McCartney recently to chat about his career in coaching and his role with Cork City. But we have to start with the epic clash between Ireland's fastest woman, Phil Healy, and up-and-coming sprint star Rashidad Adelecki in the final of the Irish women's 200 metres at Morton Stadium on Sunday. Kieran Phil came out on top once again, securing her 14th Irish title, but she didn't have it all her own way against the young pretender. This was a race for the ages, Jack. What an incredible duel. It pitted the two fastest women in Irish sprinting right now up against each other, Phil Healy and Redashid Adeleke. Um, they didn't disappoint you. It was being billed as their big showdown and when they went head to head, like I don't think anyone could have predicted how close this race could and was. In the end, there was one hundred of a second between Phil and Adeleke and it was Phil who came out on top. And the times were just simply stunning. The national record, which was set by um, Adeleke a couple of weeks back, is 22.96 seconds. And when she set that record, she beat Phil's previous PB but on Sunday, Phil ran 22.83 seconds, which smashed the national record. Unfortunately, it won't stand because it was over the, the, the legal win limit. So um, the win limit was just over what they needed. But Phil ran 22.83 and Adelecki ran 22.84, which is absolutely stunning running by the both of them. But this was almost a moment for Phil said, I'm not going anywhere because Adelecki is the young up-and-comer. She's 18 years of age. She's a sensational athlete and she's a huge career ahead of her. 
Um, Phil, 26, is eight years her senior. And it was up the moment where Phil said, OK, you're good, but I'm still better right now. And it was a, it was quite an important win and moment for Phil because it rubber-stamped her position as the queen of Irish sprinting. That was her second national title last weekend. She won the women's 400-metre title the day before. And that was probably a more important win in terms of the Olympics coming up because that victory in the women's 400 metre would secure valuable ranking points for Phil as she wants to qualify in the 400 for this well, this month's Olympics now. Jesus, the Olympics are, are starting in, in uh, 23rd of July, so they're not too far away. And also this week, Jack, Phil will find out for certain how many events she will be entered in in the Olympics. The cutoff qualification point was on Tuesday night. That's June 29th. So by Wednesday or Thursday, more likely Thursday, Phil will know for definite how many events she's entered in. So fingers crossed, it's the three events. It's 200, it's the 400, and it's the 4 by 400 metre Irish mixed relay. But she's on a high this week. I was texting her earlier in the week, and the word she likes to use is buzzing. She was absolutely buzzing because she's, she's won two more senior goals. I know that's 14 senior gold medals that Phil has won. That's two hands and nearly a full foot that she has to use now to show how many senior titles that she has. So, like I said, she's the, the queen of Irish sprinting and she's in great shape ahead of the biggest couple of weeks of her athletics career. And the win over Adelecki was almost reminiscent of that famous from the depths of hell win that she had a number of years back. Because although it wasn't quite as dramatic the distance she had to make up, she did have a lot of ground to make up on the Young Pretender, as we've said, and then just about pipped her on the line. There's a video going around online. The commentators are getting quite excited, as you can imagine, and as I'm sure anyone watching it was as well, because there is that dynamic of people wanting to see a young athlete bursting onto the national stage. But as you said, Phil is still number one, and she proved it beyond a reasonable doubt on Sunday. But you can just see that over the next couple of years that rivalry is probably going to grow and grow but for now Phil remains Ireland's fastest woman which bodes extremely well as the clock to Tokyo ticks down but Kieran let's just move on from that quickly and we're going to hear as I said from Alan Quinlan in just a moment but before we do I just wanted to quickly get your take on the Euros so far it's something we haven't actually spoken about on the podcast yet but we can't ignore it anymore because Monday's action, the two last 16 ties, was possibly the greatest day of watching soccer that there's ever been. Two last 16 games back-to-back. The first between Spain and Croatia finished 5-3 to the Spaniards. And then the evening game between the Swiss and the French. 3-3 after extra time, the Swiss going through on penalties. Just two of the great international football tournament games and uh, I kind of wanted to get your own thoughts on them it's hard to concisely say how one felt about the games but what were your own thoughts after sitting through those two games on Monday afternoon and evening oh the drama was just incredible especially I thought the the France and Switzerland game that even that second half the how that unfolded with Switzerland missing a chance to go 2-0 up, then France coming back on 3-1 up with the, the version of Paul Pogba that all Man United fans want to see at the club. But then obviously he was involved in the goal Switzerland got at the other end. And even then when it went to 3-3, both teams still had chances in injury time. Switzerland had a chance and then um, then uh, France hit the crossbar with almost the last King, kick of the that, game. That, that, that chance, which was the last kick of the game from Kingsley Coleman, when it smashed the crossbar 
I, I, I screeched so loud like a little child that I woke up my partner who was in bed in the room next door and she came out to see was everything okay. And I assured her everything was okay. But Kingsley Coleman had just hit the crossbar after 90 minutes of enthralling action. So, yeah. And I think one of the biggest travesties, travesties from the day, though, here, and I'm not sure if you'll agree with me on this, was that Karim Benzema's goal, his was it his first goal? The, the, the goal where he dragged it from behind him and flicked it over the keeper, which may have gone down as one of the great European Championship goals, will now be relegated to the dustbin of history because France were knocked out and the goal is essentially, uh, Joe, it, it, it didn't count towards France going on to win the championships. So I'm sorry to say that goal may not go down in history as it probably deserves to. No, you're right there, but just just to dram of it, you just on about the noises you made. I made noises among the night I'd never made in my life. And my better half, who was watching Love Island in a different room, came in to check me. She was like, What's going on? And I was like, I had to fill her in on what was unfolding because it was absolutely incredible. And like you said, I think it was the greatest day of football I've ever seen because there was so much drama. Even go back to the first game, the, the Spanish own goal in the first half was like you'd never see that, like a 40, 40, 45 yard own goal. But then for Croatia to come back from 3-1 down and get that goal in, in injury time and even the manner of their second goal was just a kind of a schmozzle in the box and it was like <laughs> ping pong. It's just, there were two games that had absolutely everything. And I know sometimes people complain about football, this and that, but I, I, I'd argue anyone to sit down and not be entertained by what we saw on Monday. It was absolutely incredible. Um, just on a different note, I got Denmark in our pools draw here at home and the good news is that the Danes are still going strong. On the, the softer side of the draw, I'll put it. So I've, I'm firmly in the Denmark camp as this tournament progresses because there's money on the line here. So hopefully Denmark will get to the final. Um, but it's turning into an epic tournament. There's- and then Denmark have every neutral on their side as well. So the, the world is cheering for Denmark at this stage because of the unfortunate events in the group stage uh, with Christian Eriksen. But another point just before we wrap on the Euros that I want to make, and it's not a unique point, it's been made in every outlet out there, but I just wanted to draw attention to it again. How much better is sport with a raucous crowd in attendance? It's been missed so much from much of the sport we've had to endure at times over the last 18 months to two years. During this Premier League season, I almost stopped watching and lost interest because I put it down to the lack of atmosphere at the grounds and the fake noise just wasn't doing it for me. But the atmosphere at that Switzerland and France game yesterday there's that famous meme already going about about the Swiss fan who was in tears after Lloris saved the Swiss penalty and you know half an hour later he had his top off and he was screaming at the top of his voice and it just summed up so much about what's great about supporting your country at a major tournament so yeah I'd have to say one of the highlights for me has been seeing the fans back in the stadiums and going absolutely batshit crazy. It's just, uh, it's great to see. No, hundred percent. The link, like the, the crowds in is a Bucharest and Budapest, like they're, they full houses out there and it makes <laughs> such a different, like it just adds so much emotion to the occasion of the game because there's kind of the highs and lows of the game are almost, they're echoed by a thousand percent because the fans are there to live the moment again. And, and you're hundred percent right. It's great to see fans back in there. I know I'm not going to go on about it now, but then we're looking here at our own championship the weekend just gone, and you have a couple of hundred fans smattered around stadiums. I think numbers are going to increase in the weeks ahead. There's a good few thousand going to head into Croke Park this weekend. 
But um, the sooner fans get back into the games, because it adds to the teeter of sport. Because sport is entertainment at the end of it. And we're all entertained by what we saw on, on Monday night. And as you know, Jack, and all our listeners know, you can't beat a live sports game to go there just to just to be entertained by what happens. So um, touch wood, we fans back in GA matches with more fans back in the in in the, the weeks and months ahead. But for now, the Euros are an absolute cracker and I'm loving it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, just to say as well, like that Spain own goal that you mentioned, chances are that would not have happened in an empty stadium because the noise... Whatever was going on in that keeper said he just wasn't focused on the task in hand and he let in one of the great own goals that we've ever seen. But anyway, let's leave the Euros chat there for now. And coming up after the break, we're going to talk to Ireland and Munster rugby legend Alan Quinlan. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years. On Saturday at the Aviva Stadium, Andy Farrell's Ireland take on Japan in the first of two summer tests and with two West Cork men, Gavin Coombs and Finian Witcherly, in contention to pick up their first Irish caps, we thought we'd better draft in an expert to talk us through it. We'll be joined in a moment by Munster and Ireland legend Alan Quinlan. But Kieran, before we do, this could be a huge two weeks for West Cork rugby. We already know all about Woody Island's Tyg Furlong, who's involved in the Lions Tour. But Saturday could be special for the West Cork Rugby Fraternity. Tyg who? Tyg Furlong? Yeah, it's all about Gavin Coombs and Finney Witcherly, Jack, at this stage. Now, the, the two local men in with the Ireland senior squad for they've called up for the first time. We'll find out the team news for this Saturday's game against Japan at lunchtime on Thursday. So fingers crossed that we have good news on the Gavin and Finian front end that hopefully one, if not two, them will get to make their, their senior debut against Japan at the Aviva um, this weekend. If not, there's always the, the game against the USA the following Saturday. So that's two games in this Vodafone Summer Series. So the odds are that we will see Gavin and Finian in one of the two games, if not two of the games. And like we said before, Gavin is coming off the back of a sensational season. Like that man has just, um, he's, his reputation has gone through the roof. The youngest ever winner of the Munster's Men's Player of the Year Award. The Skibbereen man has scored more tries in a single season than any Munster player ever before. And you think he's a six foot six, six foot six Bettsborough beast. Like the man is a mountain. For him to get 15 tries in 17 starts is just... Uh, the stats are, are through the roof. And Fanin, of course, has been there for the last couple of years. He's over 60 Munster caps to his name. He's the man that famously caught up Johnny Sexton uh, back in December 2018 in, in a Pro 14 game. Um, Fanin has been a, a regular for Munster over the years and he's looking for more game time as well. So they're two of the... You wouldn't just say they're the up-and-coming stars of Munster rugby, but they're very much in the present as well. Kind of, they're they've showed their work to Munster this season, and now they're getting their chance. Touch wood with Ireland, um, the opportunity is there for them to stake a place in the squad going forward. With a couple of the bigger names got off with the with the with the lines to South Africa. So hopefully, like I said, we'll find out on Thursday if Gavin and Fanine will start against Japan this Saturday, and who better to chat to? about Gavin and Finneen, then the Munster and Ireland rugby legend, Alan Quinlan. We're delighted now to be joined on the Star Sport podcast this week by Munster and Ireland legend, Alan Quinlan, to chat about the rise of Gavin Coombs and Finneen Richley, who we hope will make their Irish debuts in the weeks ahead. Welcome to the podcast, Alan. 
Thanks, Karen. My pleasure. And before we talk about Gavin and Fadine, I just want to get your thoughts on why in the last couple of years we've seen such a growth of rugby in West Cork. I was looking at the list again there. Darren Sweetenham, Fadine and Josh Witcherley, First Cousins, then Gavin and Liam Coombs, John Hoddett from Ross Carberry, Jack Crowley from Inishannon, Keen Hurley from Clannacilty is another fella on the rise. Suddenly this area that's known as a as football land, it's becoming a rugby territory. Yeah, it's a hard one to put your, your finger on, Kieran, and, and know exactly why. I think there's obviously reasons. Um, you know, for me, when I when I started playing rugby for Munster, obviously coming from Tipperary and coming from a real tradition hurling area, and, you know, Tipperary people, as a Corkman, you'll know how passionate they are about their hurling. Um, so I, I suppose when I started out, I was probably one of the first guys who, who uh, made made it onto the professional scene, started playing for Munster in Ireland. Um, then there was a number of others, Dennis Leamy, Den- the Fogarty brothers, Trevor Hogan, Ray Hogan, uh, Dunica Ryan, Tommy O'Donnell. Um, lots of guys started, um, you know, over the years, starting to started to play for Munster and, and, and come out of, you know, different schools. Rockwell probably being the, the main rugby school in, in Tipperary. Um, you know, guys started to... to, to to, to get those uh, pathways and avenues to go and play for play for Munster in Ireland. And, um, you know, it was great to see. I think West, West Cork and, uh, is, is, there's a similar story going on there now in the last couple of years with a lot of these young players coming through. Um, I think probably it's, it's coupled with the fact that, um, you know, Munster, the success we had as, as players winning European Cups. Um, I remember starting, you know, when I started out with Munster, it was it was it was something new. Rugby only went professional in 1995. I signed my first contract in 97. Um, you know, it's well documented. One of the interpros, I think we played in 98 against Leinster and Limerick. There was 100, 150 people at the game. Um, you forward that on to 2009 in Croke Park when there's over 80,000 people. So the game has grown as a spectacle, um, as an uh, you know as an event. Um, and lots of people have, you know, gone on board, particularly supporters and fans who've, who've uh, loved the journey and, and, you know, people who supported us throughout, you know, that, that journey of trying to win European Cups in the late 90s, um, 2000s onwards. I think, um, you know, thousands and thousands of Munster people from all over the province going to the south of France and going all over the UK and stuff like that. And, I would always meet um, people at these games before and after, and and lots of them would be traditional diehard GA fans and rugby fans, maybe second. So, um, but they loved being part of that whole journey. So, I suppose the appeal of of that monster jersey and and the way rugby has grown in the province has has been has been really really big. I think. Uh, you know, first and foremost, I would have been a GA man. I always played rugby from a young age, but I would have been a GA man. And uh, my ambition and one of my goals growing up was to try and play hurling for Tipperary. That doesn't mean that um, I still don't love hurling and, and love the GA as well. I do. But I suppose the pathway I took was was uh, one that I I enjoyed and I started to get better at as the years went on over with rugby. And um, so I think young young guys throughout the province now in in you know, you look at someone like Jack O'Donoghue from Waterford as well, um, what he's achieved. Um, 
you know, not many guys from Waterford have come through. Ben Cronin would have been there around my time. He got capped for Ireland as well. So I think that that's one of the one of the strategies for Munster Rugby is to try and get into the more non-traditional rugby areas and get more players and and maybe tap into to athletes that are are in those areas and try and improve them and and hope that they get a bigger playing pool. What's happened in in West Cork, I think, has has just been nothing short of phenomenal. Really, I think Darren Sweetnam was the most. Uh, he was probably the flag bearer and and. Um, you know, coming from playing hurling for Cork and being such a talented hurling, hurling player, um, you know, and and getting opportunities with Munster and Ireland, um, I suppose he's probably some of these young lads growing up would have looked at at what he's achieved and and how he's achieved it. And then I suppose their love for rugby, like uh, you know, you look at Skibbereen and Clannacilty and places like that. You know, I would have played junior rugby with my club Clan William um, when I was growing up. Uh, and probably when I was 17, 18, when I, before I kind of made the move into Shannon, I played against Clannacilty many times and Skibbereen as a young lad on, on, on the, the, the junior team. And uh, they were always, you know, incredibly passionate. I don't think I ever won a game down in Skibbereen. Um, we won, you know, we great battles with Clannacilty many times, um, played him in a Challenge Cup final, played him in a couple of Munster Junior, you know, knockout games as well. Um, and league games as well, obviously, you know, so we would have been down Skibbereen very regularly. And even when I didn't play, when I moved on to Shannon and Munster, I would still follow my junior club, Tan William Downer. So loads of good rugby players there and loads of the passion um, for, for, for those clubs as well. So it's not, it's not a huge surprise that, you know, it probably inevitably had to happen that some of these young lads would have said, well, I want to go on and play with Munster in Ireland. Then, of course, you've been in grammar school and uh, you know, the Witcherleys went to, to Ross Gray, Fanine went to Ross Gray and, and um, you know, won a Leinster Senior Schools Cup there. And um, so there's there's pathways and avenues. And I think what Munster Rugby have done, obviously, you know, even go, I keep going back to my time, but, you know, there would have been development officers, um, you know, positioned around Tipperary to try and get rugby into the non-playing schools and, and see if you could unearth a player or two there and get them to join the local club. One example was Tommy O'Donnell. We had a, a guy over from New Zealand, probably in the early 2000s, um, playing rugby with, with, with Clan William. He came travelling for a year and uh, he got a job with, as, a, as a development officer and was, went into Tommy O'Donnell's school in Care in County Tipperary. And, uh, they never, they'd never seen a rugby ball in the school. Um, he was welcomed in and... and they wanted to try it. And, um, you know, before long, Tommy O'Donnell was playing rugby in Clan William and, and then went on to, you know, be a star in that uh, underage in Clan William and went on to play for Munster in Ireland and had a great career. So I think that's helped the, the development officers that have probably identified um, the talent that's there. And then, of course, when you go into the school system, there's, there's a good pathway there because um, they take their rugby seriously. And, you know, these guys are doing weights. They're, they've been given all sorts of um, quality coaching and information and diets and all that kind of stuff. And, and um, I suppose one, one makes it and, and a lot of other guys want to try and make it. And then when they have that talent, so that's probably what's happened, I think, um, you know, to try and to, to, 
to get the opportunity to be a professional rugby player as well is there's a nice that's that's something that a lot of youngsters want to want to do and they want to be part of and um, I think as I said it's phenomenal what's happened in West Cork. Roby has certainly said its roots down in West Cork and we're hoping over the next couple of weeks with the test against Japan and the USA that Gavin and Fanine will both get to, to make their, their 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 senior debuts for Ireland and that's another kind of flagging the ground moment for West Cork rugby. But looking at Gavin for a second, Adam, what an incredible season this man has had. The youngest ever winner of the Munster Men's Rugby Player of the Year Award. He scored 15 tries in 22 games, and that's the most ever tries scored by a, a Munster player in a single season. He was absolutely sensational all the way through. What impressed you the most about Gavin? Um, I saw him a number of years ago in... in um... I think it was a trial match in Limerick. I think it was Monster A against uh, an Irish, what could have been the Irish under 20 side um, or development side. And I remember watching that game. I went to the game at Thoman Park and I remember watching. And I, the first thing that, that kind of jumped out at me was, was, was his size and his athleticism for a big guy. Um, I thought that... Um, I was kind of saying at the time, geez, when you get a guy that big and that quick and athletic and, you know, he moved really well. Um, I wanted to see a little bit of niggle in him. I thought, where's the bit of, you know, that little bit of niggle, that bit of um, attitude, if you like, that um, would would uh, really make him stand out. Because, um, you know, I would have played and seen lots of big, strong physical guys over the years that probably didn't have that, that little edge that you need um, to dominate and, 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 and step out from the rest. I always remember Dennis Leamy when he came to training. Dennis wasn't the big, the tallest guy in the world, but he was a real block of a guy. And, you know, he was six foot two. Um, that's not small, but, you know, when you look at Gavin Coombs at six foot six and he's probably 110, 115 kilos, he's, he's a huge athlete. And uh, John Hayes and myself, um, we're at training one day. It was one of the first sessions that Dennis Leamy came to. And we remember, we remember, I remember chatting to John saying, this guy will make it. And, and, and John Hayes agreed because he, you know, he came to that one of those first training sessions when we did a contact session and was ripping into people and had a real kind of edge to him um, and attitude amongst a lot of senior guys who would have been around for a long time. I probably had the opposite when I started because I was quite nervous and maybe lacking that bit of self-confidence and self-belief, which can come in people. So that's not a bad thing. And uh, I remember thinking Leamy is the real deal. You know, he's going to make it. And he did, obviously, and was was a kind of an enforcer in that monster pack who took no um, who took no rubbish off anybody in the opposition. He was the one who was stepping up all the time. And, and that's the one, the one thing that's, um, you know, that self-confidence, self-belief, and using your physicality in, in the right way, I think. And, you know, when you're blessed with that size and that power, I think. Um, and I think, uh, you know, that day, I did, he, he was just kind of a little bit standoffish, very talented. But what I've seen in the, in, in the interim is, um, you know, a real, a real statement of intent that this guy is good enough to go and play for Ireland. He's an incredible talent. Um, I still want him to be more physical and really dominate the opposition. But that will come because he's still very young. Um, I'm not advocating for him to be giving away penalties or getting into trouble like I did <laughs> when I played. But, um, you know, his rugby brain is fantastic. And, and, you know, to score 15 tries in 22 games, I know four of them were in the last game against Zebra. 
Um, I just love the fact that um, he has an eye for the try line. He knows where to be. He's always watching. You know, I, I, I kind of try and watch guys off the ball as well as on the ball and just see their what, what they're doing and um, what what they see and, and try and anticipate what they're seeing. And I, I, I think he's a real rugby brain. He reminds me a lot of of um, of Anthony Foley. Um, obviously, Axel would have went on and you know been a legend for Munster Ireland. Shannon um, and I always I played with Anthony for so long. He was a great friend, and I always admired his rugby a bit brain, his ability to pop up at the right time in the right places. And I see similarities with Gavin Coombs. I just think. You know, if you watch his eye line, he's always watching what's going on. He makes a carry. Somebody else carries it. He's back up off the ground and he's anticipating um, a bit of space or an opportunity in that defensive line. And, you know, he backs it up then with power and athleticism. As I said, he's he's incredibly explosive. Um, I think he's the full package. Um, you know, as I said, just probably, and it will come, it's that confidence He's shown it this year with Munster. He, you know, the, the, in the Pro 14 final against Leinster, he was the standout player. Um, you know, and, and Leinster had a dominant performance against Munster that day. But you know, he was he was really, really good in a, in a tough, tough environment, tough situation. And that was the day I thought this guy is ready. Get him into the Irish side, not just get him into the, you know, um, the squad. He's ready to start for Ireland, and I'd be very excited about what what the future holds for Gavin Coombs. He's obviously got to get a bit of luck and, um, you know, stay injury-free. You're always going to get some injuries, but just uh, get a bit of luck in the injury front and um, and keep his feet in the ground because I think his attitude is good. And um, what I hear about him, um, you know, he's a top bloke and, and uh, he's continuously trying to learn. Um, so I think it's uh, he's a wonderful player. And given CJ Stander is, has left, I think it's a natural fit for him now to to take that mantle, that famous number eight jersey from Munster and take it forward and, and no better man to do that. Johan van Grant said as much in the last couple of weeks that that Gavin has what it takes to to fill that CJ Stander size hole that's now in the Munster team. Do you think Gavin Gavin can cushion the blow of the loss of CJ and take over that number eight jersey for the foreseeable future? Yeah, he can. Uh, of course. I think he look he's um what he's done in the last two, two or three seasons, the way he's improved, um, he's only going to get better, and he's going to have get that confidence, and um, and um, you know I think he's the full package, and he has that ability. And look, um, Kieran, you can have all the talent in the world, but you need the attitude and desire and the motivation, and you need to look after yourself. Right? It's um, it's 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 not an easy gig uh, being a professional rugby player. There's lots of ups and downs. The game is pretty physical. You've got to manage your body, manage your mind, all that kind of stuff. So um, he looks like he's very happy and, and this is what he wants. Um, so I think not alone can he do that for, for Munster, but he can do it for Ireland as well. That may not necessarily be as a number eight. It could be a six or eight because, um, you know, obviously Caelan Doris is there. He's very talented as well. Jack Conan has come back into brilliant form. Max Deegan is someone who's been out injured for a while. So there's, obviously there's loads of competition for the Irish spots. But if he's starting for Munster and performing, um, I think Andy Farrell will, will want to get him into that Irish back row and, and starting. So 
Of course he can. You know, there's little things he's going to have to learn in the next next while and, and learn on the run, which it's uh, it's an unforgiving place. And, you know, there's a lot of demand and pressure to try and win trophies in Munster. And, and I think they've made a lot of progress forward. And I love the fact that there's, um, you know, I've always said this for a number of years, when you have young players coming through and they're learning at the coal phase, um, and you may not be winning, which, you know, it ended up being a disappointing season for Munster, you know, going out and the, the losing the Pro 14 final and, and the semi, the quarterfinal in Europe. Um, I think the, the last 16, I should say, the, I think that um, having the comfort of knowing that there's a lot of young players coming through, um, putting pressure, learning from that experience and that environment um, bodes well for the future. And, you know, someone like Gavin Coombs, you can build a team around a guy like that. Um, he's a great ball carrier. Um, he's great footwork as well. So, you know, hopefully he can keep improving. Um, it's not always guaranteed that you get to this level and that, you know, you you accelerate on and become... Uh, keep improving all I think he can I think he has that ability and like I said he looks like he has that desire and that attitude to, to get better and um, he deserves to be in the Irish squad now and and it'll be great for honour for him for his club and for West Cork um, if and when he gets capped in a couple of weeks Another one of those West Cork young guns is Feneen Witcherly Gavin seems to get all the headlines but Feneen has been going about his business quietly for the last couple of years it, like, it was December 2018 when he announced his arrival with Johnny Sexton in that in that in that, uh, that famous game, and he's when he um I suppose he just stood up to Johnny Sexton up in Tolman Park. But Fadine has already played over 60 games for Munster, and he was called into the Ireland squad for training before the delayed Six Nations games. I think last September October. Like he's another fella who's who's gone. He's gone quietly about his business, but he's he's one to watch as well, Alan. Yeah, he is, and. Um... He's he's done remarkably well. I think um, he, you know, the fans and supporters love him because of uh, probably that that moment where he, you know, he had that bit of a scuffle with Johnny Sexton. That's not trying to be disrespectful to Johnny Sexton, but I just think it 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 kind of showed that um, this fella has an attitude and and that he has an edge to him that you need as as. Uh, at times, and you need to stand up. And, you know, Johnny obviously is confrontational himself and, and, you know, doesn't shirk or step back from anyone. And he's shown that. And that's why he's he's been such a brilliant player over the years for Ireland and Leinster. And, um, you know, I think we got to judge him on, on, his, on, his, on his overall play and, and what he's done. And as I said, he's become a regular um, contributor and starter for Munster. From his own perspective, I'd say he'd love to try and nail down a regular a starting spot for those big games. He's still getting better. He's still developing, um, and uh, and 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 he's done brilliantly. Um, I think he he can get better, um, and he's probably he probably has that more natural kind of edge that you know um, the likes of Dennis Leamy would have had. Um, Dennis could control it in a very good way. I probably couldn't at times. Um, and I like to see that in players where they're not afraid to, you know, to, to, to get up close and personal with people. Um, a bit like me, he's in, I probably give away a few more penalties, but Finian's got to be careful, you know, that, that, that you don't cross that line and you get it right. Um, but that's the way he plays. He plays with his heart and his sleeve. He's a very physical player, um, gives it everything. And I love, I love that about him. So, 
you know, it's a competitive area. When you think of John Klein and RG Snyman, Tyke Byrne, you know, Billy Holland was 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 uh, around for a long, long time in Munster and brilliant for them. So, you know, he's probably a little bit frustrated that he's probably not getting enough of starts and more more opportunities. Um, but he's a big future with Munster as well. And for him to get called into the Irish squad is recognition that there's there's quality there, there's ability there. And um, and this is a great opportunity for him to get into that environment and, and make a name for himself. Or could you see Feneen nailing down a jersey? Like you're like to see, you know, uh, Billy Holland, Tommy O'Donnell, they're all departing. So there's a chance of more opportunities for Feneen next season. But where do you think he could become a regular in the big games? Yeah, well, you see, it's it's difficult because um, with respect, he's six foot four. Um, you know, a lot of the modern day seconders, six five, six six, six seven, you know, um, might be lacking a tiny little bit of height there in the second row. Um, he's a big back row and 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 not a huge second row. If he'd probably kill me for saying that, um, but he's a big back row and not a huge second row. I don't want to be telling anyone their business or where they should play, but I think um, you know. He's he's the perfect size as a back row. Um, it's not always easy, kind of making that transition and doing, you know, stepping into that back row slot. But uh, becoming that utility player is not something you want to be. Um, that you're a great a great player off the bench. It happened to me at times on different occasions with Ireland, where I was kind of covering second row, back row, and you know, I wasn't the second row, but I could I could play there if needs be, if there was an injury or during the game, but. Um, I think he look. It's something that obviously he's got to figure out with the coaches himself, himself, and uh, with Johan Van Grand for Munster because obviously if he started playing as a number six and and did that job there and did it on a fairly regularly, well then, you know that probably would open the door a little bit more for Ireland. I think as I said, the second row positions, uh, rightly or wrongly, um, you know different coaches will look at. Uh, that height factor, that size factor, particularly when you're in Europe or if you're playing top class international. So um, I think he can play in the back row, no problem. We we'll probably just need to, a little bit more experience there and, and, and get exposed to it at uh, a, a really high competitive level with Munster. And um, that would probably open some doors for him. But um, as I said, I'm not going to tell him what he should or shouldn't do. I think we should just... Um, you know, applaud him for 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 his work in the last couple of years and uh, and and for getting into the Irish squad and and getting an opportunity to become an international, which is um, you know a phenomenal thing for him. hundred percent, Alan. A big couple of weeks ahead for Gavin and Finney. Thank you so much for your for your time this morning for joining us on the podcast. My pleasure, Karen. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union. Funding dreams for over 50 years. Bandon man Richie Holland has been making quite the name for himself in soccer coaching circles over the last number of years. And he's currently assistant manager to Colin Healy at Cork City. He caught up with Joe McCarthy to chat about that role and his career in coaching to date. Okay, welcome uh, to the Southern Star, Southern Star podcast. And we're absolutely delighted Um to have uh, somebody who has worked uh, extensively in UEFA coaching and FAI coaching and is very, very prominent, um, not just in Bandon, where he started out, and not just uh, 
uh, now with Cork City. But uh, Richie Holland, um, it's a good news story for him because Richie is now uh, joining Colin Healy at Cork City and will be helping him uh, for the coming for the remainder of the coming season, taking over as assistant manager from John Cotter. So, Richie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, sir. Great to be here. Good to see you again. First of all, hearty congratulations on the appointment. When did you get word of it? And how surprised and how delighted were you uh, to get the offer? Um, well, to be honest, myself and Colin, as you know, probably would have um, a good relationship from working in the academy in the past, George. So probably would have been in contact with Colin maybe weekly, you know, and stuff like that. Just, you know, just, just checking in and stuff like that. You know, we just would have many conversations and stuff like that. And I suppose that there was an opportunity that for, for me to come up through, through my previous role that I could um, maybe have um, jumped into Cork City. So obviously I, I expressed an interest to Colin and we kind of worked from there then, you know. Yeah, because your background, you're, you hold an elite UFAA license. Uh, you have extensive experience of, uh, of coaching both at Kennedy Cup level back in 2017 with the Cork Schoolboys League, who you took to a semi-final, by the way, at the Kennedy Cup. And I always bring that up because I know how difficult the Kennedy Cup is as a tournament to win or compete in. And since then, you've moved on through the various FAI academies in Mahon. You've worked, worked in Blarney. So you've been coaching for quite a long time. But I would suggest... Bandon is the place that's at your heart. Bandon AFC has always been the one that you seem to keep, you seem to be always involved in. How important was the experience you got there uh, for where you are now? Bandon's always been a huge part of my life. Uh, even since I was a kid, I suppose, going right back to the start, it probably gave me that discipline and that um, hunger and love for the game, you know, um, playing and, 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 and to be honest, I would have, as a player, I would always it would have been kind of, let's say, interested in coaching sessions. And I suppose I would have been a, a good personality in the dressing room and stuff like that. So coaching was like um, something probably even at an early age I was thinking about. And to be honest with you, I took my first coaching role with Bandon. I think I was, I'd say I must have been 18 at the time. So I would have, I was a, a month over age for the under 18s. I, I ended up being their manager. So that was, that was my first uh, experience in coaching. And I think from there then I, um, I went on and started my education and stuff like that, you know. So I've basically worked at every level in the club game in, in terms of in Cork and stuff. I think you forgot there to mention yourself. I don't know, do you know yourself? I was a part of the West Cork Indy Cup as well. I was coming to that. Yeah. <laughs> I did um, focus on the band in first, but you've had... Yeah, you've been... no, and you know, I've, I suppose that, that, that you know, I, I was working um, different levels and stuff, but it was band and that was probably always the one that gave me the... The grounding and that that foundation and look, I it was a great honor for me a number of years back to, to actually manage a senior team as well, you know, and um, have success there as well, you know. Um, obviously, I, I have family members that are you know deeply you know ingrained into the club and so on. Even my brother at the moment is the senior manager, Sean. So, like you know, it's kind of um, it, it's it's a big part of our lives and that you know. So look, um, yeah, Bandon's been huge and always will be. I know. I'll, I'll still go to the games and, and watch the games and stuff mm. like that. And, you know, so it's a, it's, it's a big part for me, you know. How would the 2019 FAI Intermediate Cup run that Bandon went on, would that be a highlight? Yeah, we went to... Um, the last 32, yeah. The last 32, we ended up to, to Glebe, I think, in, right, um, in Dublin. In North Dublin, yeah. That was a highlight, yeah. We, we, we won some good games in, 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 the, in the early rounds and that. Um, when we went up to Dublin, we actually put in a good performance. The scoreline on, on, on the day itself didn't do the game justice at all. It was just um, 
it was one of those games at the end. But uh, no, it was a really good highlight. I think getting promotion from the second division was always the main objective, you know, because the club had gone to the the heights of getting to the Premier Division, which was um, which was really really great. You know, we've done it twice under Nyla Regan first, and then it was um, Peter Jones then the second time uh, after winning the league in the first division. But I think for 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 a club like Bandon in West Cork in the Munster Senior League, for us to be playing Premier Division was it was just huge at the time and stuff. That and I think um, it took its toll. It was a really big big push to get there. And when we got there, I just think that the team was aging and stuff like that. And it, I just think it just it didn't work out for us up there and stuff like that. So then there was two relegations in a row that followed. So I I was player coach basically, then player manager if you want to call it that went in and. I just said that Lord, the main objective is to get back up to the first division. So we, we've got that platform, hopefully, again, to, to make that step up to the Premier in a few years. There's young players there at this present moment working with Sean and and that. So they're in a bit of a transition at the moment. So look, ho- hopefully they'll get back up there again, you know. Can I ask, as a coach, um, from your experience with Cork, with the West Cork School Boys League at, at a tournament like the Kennedy Cup, and then with Bandon, do you learn more about yourself as a coach when you get relegated? And as, do you learn more about your players? Um, well, I, I was in, fortunately enough, I, like, I, I was a part of the playing when we got relegated and stuff, let's say, you know, um, being a, from a player's perspective, being relegated, it's not nice, you know, especially as I mentioned earlier when the club was so, so it's so a big part of all of our, our lives, really, like in uh, the family and stuff like that, you know, so, um, it wasn't nice from a player perspective, but as a coaching perspective, let's say in the Kennedy Cups and stuff like that, you do learn a lot more. I, I to be honest with you, the West Cork experience really stood stood to me. I think when I when I took over the, the actual Cork team, you know, I worked I worked with um Conor Ewell and um Martin Henwood there at the time mm. and stuff like that and. I suppose I was young at the time. That was, I think, 2010, I think it was, uh, Jar, if I remember right. 2009, but, uh, but yeah, go on, yeah. Yeah, 2009, 2010, yeah, I think, yeah. And with some good young players, but as you know yourself, West Cork all, would always be the underdogs, you know, so mm. you, you you probably get those those um, fighting and that kind of, let's say, you know, everyone thinks we're not going to win and all that kind of stuff, you know, like it's, you kind of have to think a little bit differently there, you know, and, mm. you know, you get that fighting spirit there, you know, and you learn how to, to win games differently. Whereas with Cork, I suppose, Joe Cork would have a talented squad and, and that, and there's a lot of expectation and stuff like that. But when you come to knockout games, I felt my um, my experience, let's say, with West Cork stood to me, you know, winning games, let's say, when you're not playing so well and, and so on, you know, so like that, that, that was a big, um, that was a big learning experience for myself you know and it really helped me let's say going into going into the the, the, the Cork mm. role you know and um, before just before we talk about the Cork City role and working w- with Colin you you've brushed shoulders with some pretty impressive <clears throat> excuse me coaches and managers down through your time Mick Conroy Stuart Ashton and what can you just briefly outline the work that you did because you did a player development course you were coordinator for the FAI Academy in Blarney for a period of time in 2020 what what did that entail? And I know that's something that was very important to you. But what did it actually entail, and what did you get out of it? Uh, well, it, f- first of all, it's a great experience working full time football. You know, um, and coordinating coordinating a program like that is 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 massive. Um, 
I would have done the course myself as a player uh, about 14 years ago, I think it was. So I knew of the course. I knew the, how valuable it was, you know. So even for me as, as a player at the time, there's only one course in Cork. And I was actually playing here for, for Cork City at the time as well at, at under 21 level. So it really, really helped me, you know, push on and, and so on, you know. And like I, the one thing I would say, it gives people an opportunity to get back into education as well. I think that's kind of lost. I think people look at it just as lads going out training and stuff. Yeah. But there is an education element to it as well, which is, which is huge. You know, it's um, it, like we've had so many success stories, obviously on the pitch, you'll have lads that will go on and, and play for your Cork cities and coves and, and they'll go on and maybe get an international cap and so on underage or whatever. But there's so many stories there as well of lads getting back into, let's say, UCC or they're gone and gone on to do a degree or whatever, you know, that probably they mightn't have done, let's say, if they didn't start with our course, you know. So I think there's there's both sides to it. And I think it's 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 so important for people that, to know that as well. You know, I know, I know the lads there, they, they, they do a great job, you know, and they, they run a tight ship there in terms of the training and, and the education. You know? So it's... um. It's a great course for any young person, let's say, that maybe isn't, if you're coming straight out of school, let's say, you might be a little bit unsure in terms of what course should I do or whatever. And if you're into into football and you, you want to give football a, a go full-time and stuff like that, then it's a great course because, because you keep up your education as well, you know? Brilliant, yeah. And it's, it's, it's a positive and it's a footballing aspect to it, but there's a life aspect to it too, which is, which is, which is good to hear. Um, assistant manager, Cork City, League of Ireland Club. <laughs> I love to be to say it, like because you have to kind of say it to yourself a couple of times first. Like John Cott, John Cotter, Cott, sorry, as, as everyone knows him, you know John Cotter, and you know what big shoes these are to fill. But let's be positive and let's be honest about it. You've got a great manager that you're working with, Colin. You know, and the two of you work very well at under nineteen level, and that's what gives me hope as a Cork City supporter that that dynamic and how that works hopefully will transfer onto the pitch over time. You need time to obviously bet in. But what is it about yourself and Colin working with Colin? What is it about him as a coach um, that you've experienced with him? And why is it that you think he works so well together? Um, there's a lot of things. Just, there's, uh, there's so many things. Charlie. Myself and Colin would have probably started together in the academy the same year, let's say. So it was kind of, I don't know, we, we just just crossed paths and we were basically in, in the same team starting off or whatever. And it was just a relationship that just grew and grew. Um, obviously, there's lots of trust there and and that. But I think for Colin, first of all, as a player, has had a, a great career. Do you know, he tell, like he did, you know, very unassuming in, in, in a lot of ways, but he's had a great career. He's played for his country. He's you know, played Premier League. He's played for, in for Celtic and so on. Um, his knowledge of the game is is fantastic, you know. Like that's that's the one thing I would say. You know, he's 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 constantly thinking. He's constantly looking to evolve as, as a coach, and obviously the, the team as well and stuff like that you know. But um, the professionalism as well is is probably something that I probably didn't didn't get with other experiences I've had. You know, when I came in here first, it's just obviously because Collins worked at such a high level that. The, the standards he sets around the place. I've even just said it here, come in, I only came in Tuesday morning, actually it was my my first morning, but I've been away from here for six months and the difference in in the environment here is is crazy. I, I, I couldn't believe it. Like in the, what way? The small things, the, the training pitch, for example, no, the training pitch is, is good as is, is what you get. 
um, the players' room, the players' room, the, the food that the players have, let's say the gym, uh, there's a little um, foot foot tennis table, if you want to call it, down the back. It's it's a real, like, what I would say for any player, any staff member coming in here, it's a really positive environment to come into, you know. Um, I, I think that he's turned he's turned the training ground into a real professional environment. And I just think that the, the players are really lucky um, that, that, that they're in, in this environment, you know. As assistant manager, Richie, what do you want to bring to the role? What is it that fundamentally, I mean, you're an assistant, obviously, when you come in, Colin will be look, looking at the team. He'll be taking your advice on pretty much everything, I'd imagine. He knows how you work and you know how he works. But what do you want to bring to this role? And in the immediate future, let's not talk long term, because it's fair to say Cork City are in transition. That's not a a get-out clause, that's a reality. There's a lot of young players that need time to bed in to play League of Ireland football, especially in the first division, which is very difficult. So what are you going to bring and what do you want to bring in the immediate term? First of all, I think before anything regarding coaching, Joe, I think it's personality as well. I think that mm. that's so important, you know, when you when you work with people first, you know, obviously, they, you know, you're trying to develop players, obviously, but, you know, you, you're seeing these people every day and, you know, working with them firsthand, you know, it's just getting to know know these lads. Look, I know a lot of the lads from the academy and stuff like that, but there are, there are a good few lads here that would be new to me as well and stuff like that. So first and foremost is, is creating that, you know, coach-athlete relationship, let's call it, you know, where, you know, that there, there's an element of trust there. And, that, and obviously I want to bring my own experiences from coaching and and playing to an extent as well to, to the management team. But I, I go back to, I just think that we work well together because... We're we're open, you know that we're open to new ideas and 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 so on. And look, as I say, it's a great environment here for for the players and and even for the like for the staff and stuff like that. You know, so for us, it's it's more about trying to get the best out of the players every day. That they work hard. That you know, in time, I think you mentioned the word transition. Yeah, I agree with you. It, it, like in a way, but in time that we we see improvements. You know, that we see improvements on the pitch and. We know the first division is is a di- is a different type of uh, division. Let's say that the Cork City fans are used to, um, but it really is a physical physical league. And for us, it's about adapting to that and also trying to bring out our personality on the football as well. You know, um, because Cork fans look. I've I've gone gone to games since I was a young lad. You know, and, and watching the, the success, successful teams and stuff like that and. Cork, Cork fans want, want want to see players get on the ball and they want to see players play and but they also want to see the other side of it as well that there, there's a bit of heart and there's a bit of desire to play for the club you know so it's about just working on that every, every single day and, and trying to trying to improve you know you're not coming in at a an opportune moment shall we say because of the league position it is a results based business as you said um you will be hoping over time that the the work that yourself and Colin put in on the training pitch will transfer and get those results. Uh, bit by bit, but long term, I mean, obviously, Cork City fans and yourself included want to get back up to the Premier Division. That's where you want to be playing the Shamrock Rovers, the St. Pat's, the Derry Cities, um, the Dundalks, even even though they're playing not, not, not doing too well at the minute. But that's the long term goal. Is it an achievable goal from some, from where you're sitting already? From what you've seen? Yeah, I do. hundred percent. I think it is hundred percent. I I wouldn't have taken the job, George. Look, I look. Obviously, it's a great honour to be here and stuff that, but. If I felt that I couldn't contribute to improving the the club, let's say going forward, you know, I would have left it to someone else. I think, uh, obviously, coming in as you say with Colin and stuff like that, and then as I mentioned already, the environment, 
that's here already. I think it's it's ready made. I think for for us to to make to make the jump back up. If it's this year, next year, whatever, however long it takes. Look, it, we are in a little bit of a transition period, as I say. But I've no doubt this club, this club needs to be back in the Premier. You know, like the fans here, the fans, the fan base has said they, they it's religion to, to 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 some of the fans this club. You know, and I know the expectation that is there. I also know that we're probably not the same team as what we were in 2017. You know, and I think that's I think anyone sitting on the outside knows that as well. But these lads are coming in and they're learning every day. They want to improve. They're all great lads. So, look, the performance last week, I think, was a great platform for us to go on. Obviously, the game tomorrow night is going to be going to be a difficult game, but they all are. So, for us, it's about getting the team ready for it and hopefully that we can uh, go up there and get three points. I can hear the enthusiasm. I can see the passion. And I understand, I know I've watched, we've we've spoken before at various stages of your career for newspapers and local newspapers. This is a different platform. It's another level up. But you've proven with your coaching and your badges and getting the elite UEFA A license that you're committed to this. And this is this this is very, very important to you, obviously family first, but this is the most important thing after that. Um, yeah. I know you're going to put every ounce you've got into it and Colin into it, but it's a difficult job Uh Richie, it really is. It's not an easy job you're in. I know you accept that. And I think it's, it's patience and, uh, you know, a bit of trust from the fans, even at this time of the season when everybody wants to be playing top of the table football, but it may not necessarily be possible at the moment. Is I'm not, I'm not saying you're asking for time, but that, that little bit of patience while you get things sorted yourself and, and Colin manage to get your, your messages across and hopefully results improve. That's going to be key, especially with so many young players in that first team squad. Yeah, look, one thing you're going to say, look, they're young lads, right? But some of them know, I think Colin made reference actually a couple of weeks ago, some of them know are 20, 21 and stuff like that, right? But they're probably at the age you now where, where, you know, it's time you now to step up a little bit more and, and so on, you know, and the lads accept that as well, like, you know, and I think last week what you saw is a hungry team and mm. a team that wants to be on the front foot and, and compete and, you know, entertain the fans because I think, look, that's what it's about too at the end of the day, you know, when 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 the fans come in into Turner's Cross, they, they want to see good football, you know. So that's 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 part of it as well. Like, you know, um, yeah, it's a difficult job. Look, uh, you know, a, a person in my position, let's say, that might have had a secure job and, and stuff like that, you know, which I had, you know, uh, you know, I could 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 have stayed in the job and stuff like that. But for me, this is more about Pushing yourself? Uh, not regretting it, let's say, in years to come. Let's mm. put it that way. Mm. I think there would have all, I spoke to my wife about it and and that. And when the opportunity was there, and I suppose when I was a kid, I always wanted to be a professional footballer. It didn't quite happen and stuff like that. But I used to go to the games and be a fan and 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 that or whatever as well. And what I was there 2005 on the pitch and Obviously, you know, being involved in the youth setup when when the double happened as well there in 2017 and stuff. Uh, they're great memories to have. And I just I just feel with the manager that we have and and let's say the club that uh, the size of the club, I just feel that there is an opportunity here just to get to, to get the club back up at, at some point and get that success back in and, and create my own, let's say. Lifetime memories, you know, I, I, you know, be a part of the history. There's been so many top, top people that have been in this, involved in this club over in the last number of years. And 
um for me to be a part of it now is, is great like you know and it's it's something that you know maybe i thought might never happen but i'm in this position now and i i'd say to you, i'll give it my best and it's going to be every day work hard every day i know i know the, the the way football works and that as well you know but but for, for me i just it was too good of an opportunity to say no to you know well Everybody here in the Southern Star, everybody in West Cork and all around Cork wishes you nothing but success. I know what you're going to bring to the job and I know you're going to make a success of it. I just hope um, that translates sooner rather than later and that you um, and Cork City start moving up that table and I've no doubt that you absolutely will. Sure, thanks a million. Cheers. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years. Kieran, before we wrap things up, another packed edition of the Southern Star Sports section. This week, 24 pages. What can readers expect? It's that time of the year when sport is hitting top gear. So there's a lot going on in, in this week's Star Sport out on Thursday. We have two pages on the Women's Division One Football League final Played at Croke Park last Saturday when unfortunately Cork came up short against Dublin. Uh, this Dublin team is quite phenomenal at the moment. They're going for five in a row in the All-Ireland series and they're now championship and league winners. They were just too strong for Cork last weekend. No complaints whatsoever. Ger McCarthy was our man on the ground up there. So we have a two-page special on the game. Ger has given us his comment. He's picking out five Cork players who were impressed during the league. He got reaction from Martino O'Brien. Um, on, on the game, as well as head coach Paddy O'Shea. So that's well worth checking out. Also, the Cork Camogie team had a good win against Tipperary in the Munster Senior Camogie Championship semi-final last weekend, and they're through to the final against Limerick this weekend. So we have an interview with Paddy Murray and all the news from that. The GA season is picking up right now. And for Argadine Rangers, they have a huge tie against Glen Rovers coming up this week- weekend. Argadine lost to Milan in the intermediate a hurling championship round robin relegation series last weekend so they must beat Glen Rovers this weekend to to keep their intermediate a hurling status so we have a report and reaction from that also in local GEA the Carberry under 21a football championship always a blue ribbon tournament uh, kicked off or threw in last week with a Incredible game there. It was a ended up with a, a win for Clannacilte, but only after extra time. Connor Daly was the hero for Clann. He got three three. So we've full reaction and comment from that. And there's a lot more going on besides that. Like I said, it's a packed sports section this week. And the Car Curlers wrote against Limerick in Championship action this weekend. Michal O'Sullivan's uh, inside track column is looking at the pretenders to Dublin's throne in the championship. So there's something to everyone from soccer to rugby to motorsport to road bowling to athletics. You name it, we have it this Thursday. Great stuff, Kieran, And that will, of course, be in shops across West Cork and beyond from Thursday morning. But if you can't make it to the shops, you can always subscribe online to our digital edition. Just go to www.southernstar.ie forward slash e-paper just to give a quick mention as well to another project that has just gone live on the southern star digital channels that's episode two of the big story it's bringing back the tourists it's a new digital series from the southern star it's available on youtube spotify apple podcasts and in the second edition we are looking at the return of tourism to west cork post 
pandemic. So that's worth checking out if you're interested in finding out more about that. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast. We'll be back at the same time next week. If you enjoy these shows, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Slán